As uh, Pastor Gary's mentioned, we're going to continue our series today, Honest Expressions. And the last week, Pastor Gary did such a great job talking about Psalm chapter 32. And what do I do when I feel guilt? And guilt, as you know, can weigh heavy on us at times. And I really liked what Pastor Gary had to say last week as he talked about the reality of guilt, that honest uh, thing that we experience, but also the importance of moving towards confession and forgiveness. And I think this really uh, makes an important point for us. It's really, I think, a part of our whole series. That honest expressions may come from the heart and oftentimes provide us with the right words of how we're feeling at the time, but they don't always offer us right perspectives. See, it's not enough to just feel guilt to experience that. There has to be an answer to it. There, there must be some resolve to that honest expression. Uh, if you think about it, there's lots of songs out there, and we get uh, newsreels every day and social media posts that are honest expressions that we can relate to. But let's be honest, they don't always provide us with the answers. If you're a Rolling Stones fan, you remember the word, uh, sat, the song Satisfaction. I can't get no satisfaction. If you look at the lyrics to the song, it just talks about not having satisfaction, but it doesn't provide any answers to it. If you watch the newsreels that oftentimes will continue on with uh, multiple times sharing the same story, and, and these, it's uh, provocative because it, it, it causes us this stress and, and we watch it over and over again and oftentimes we'll, we walk away from that more stressed than we were than when we watched, began to watch it because we have no resolve that comes from it. Or the unending posts on social media that revolve around expressions based on my truth and the things that people are stating and no one dare, I say this, comment at times on suggesting a perspective that is socially unacceptable for fear of being canceled. These honest expressions are out there, but we don't always get the right perspectives from it. Sometimes they leave us in with unhealthy perspectives. But in the Psalms, as we've been we'll be focusing on during this series, in the Bible itself, provides us some honest expressions that don't just give us the right words, the words for how we're feeling and what we're, what we're experiencing at the time, but they also help to give us some right perspectives. We're going to focus in on Psalm 37 today, and we'll talk about that in a few moments. But I think our, our passage to ponder really helps to, to emphasize this point. And so if you're able to, would you stand with me this morning? And as we uh, do each week, let's read this together. And consider it as, uh, as we think about honest expressions, but also the perspective that we need to have. So let's read it with me, if you will. You have searched me, Lord, and you know me. You know when I sit and when I rise. You perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out and my lying down. You are familiar with all my ways. Before a word is on my tongue, Lord, you know it completely. Search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there's any offensive way in me, and lead me in the way everlasting. Excellent. You may be seated. Today's Psalm 37 gives us perspectives. 
I like this psalm because really it gives us some wisdom for life's paths. David writes this psalm, and when he writes it, he, he tries to speak words, or he writes words here that really give us some good, honest expression. And he, he begins, actually, through the whole uh, chapter itself, 37. He draws on this comparison of the path of those who choose a godly lifestyle or those who, who choose or desire to do what God wants them to do and to live out their lives, contrasted with the path of those who choose a wicked lifestyle or, or one that will lead us away from God and ultimately end in their own detriment. At issue here in this chapter is that the wicked seem to be living their best life while the godly are struggling and suffering and even being oppressed at the hands of the wicked, who in living their best life seem to have all of the position, all of the power, and all of the prestige. And so I want to read Psalm 37, verses 1 to 9, and then we'll jump down to verse 39 and 40. Uh, 1 to 9, and then verse 39 to 40. David writes this in light of all that. Don't worry about the wicked or envy those who do wrong. For like grass, they will soon fade away. Like spring flowers, they soon wither. Trust in the Lord and do good. Then you will live safely in the land and prosper. Take delight in the Lord and he will give you your heart's desires. Commit everything you do to the Lord. Trust him and he will help you. He will make your innocence radiate like the dawn, and the justice of your cause will shine like the noonday sun. Be still in the presence of the Lord and wait patiently for him to act. Don't worry about evil people who prosper or fret about their wicked schemes. Stop being angry. Turn, away, turn from your rage. Do not lose your temper. It only leads to harm. For the wicked will be destroyed. But those who trust in the Lord will possess the land. The Lord rescues the godly. He is their fortress in times of trouble. The Lord helps them, rescuing them from the wicked. He saves them, and they find shelter in him. I want to offer you today some healthy perspectives from what David writes here in this passage that I think will help us. The first is this. Keep looking ahead. Binoculars are these amazing devices that were created to help see farther along. If you're a bird watcher or you like getting out in nature and seeing animals, it gives you the opportunity, opportunity with binoculars to, to see uh, birds up close and personal, to see the, the, the great colors, to see them uh, as if you were right there watching them as if they were right in front of you. Or if there's animals in the distance, it helps you to see and, and hone in on the, their looks that are there. If you're if you're at a, a sports event or a concert, it helps you to almost like you're at the front, at, at the stage with the person who's singing. You can see all of the details that are there. Or if you're traveling down a road, binoculars help you to see way far in the distance, to see at the end of the road, if it's a, if it's a straight and flat road, what is there off in the distance. It gives us a different perspective. David writes here, don't worry. Don't fret about the wicked or envy those who do wrong. For like grass, they will soon fade away. Like spring flowers, 
they soon wither. In the Middle Eastern, in the context of where David writes this, it wasn't uncommon for uh, rain to come at times in the spring and flowers to spring up, and yet a hot, scorching sun would come out or winds, and within a, within a couple of days, those flowers would die off and shrivel up and be gone. We experience it ourselves. You know, in the spring, we have flowers, and this year it seems to be greener than ever. But at different times, you know, don't you have flowers that pop up, and you're like, oh, I didn't even realize we had those flowers in our yard, right? And they bloom, and then they're gone as quickly as they came. David writes here in this chapter, soon the wicked will disappear. You'll look for them, and they will be gone. He writes, day by day, the Lord takes care of the innocent. They will receive an inheritance. They will not be disgraced in hard times. David writes here, the Lord will look after those who are godly till the end. In the book of Malachi, the last uh, book in the Old Testament, the prophet there is given a message from God to speak to the people, and he's challenging them. And in one of the passages in verse uh, chapter 3. The Jewish people had, were writing at a time when they felt like giving up on following God's path. They felt like, what's, what's the use of this? And God responds to this, and I want you to see how he responds in this passage, Malachi chapter 3. God says, you've said, what's the use of serving God? What have we gained by obeying his commands or by trying to show the trying to show the Lord of heaven's armies that we are sorry for our sins. From now on, we will call the arrogant blessed. For those who do evil get rich, and those who dare God to punish them suffer no harm. And then look what it says. Then those who feared the Lord spoke with each other, and the Lord listened to what they said. And in his presence, a scroll of remembrance was written, to record the names of those who feared him and always thought about the honor of his name. And he says this about them. They will be my people, says the Lord. There are times when we feel like it's not worth it to follow God's path. Where it feels like those who choose to follow their own way or go their own path are making great You know, they're getting everything that they want. They're living their best life ever. And it's downright hard following Jesus. Sometimes it doesn't feel like it's paying off. Sometimes you feel like you're doing all that God wants you to do. You're doing the right stuff. And it's actually harder than it was when you were going your own path. Doesn't seem fair. The reminder today is that God does not forget. He remembers those who choose to follow him. Not only is he with us, whether we recognize his presence or not, he's always there, but he doesn't forget the choices that we make to choose to honor him and to follow him. You may be feeling today like, just like these people were saying here, what's the use of following God's path? Why bother? You may be suffering or struggling because of even the choices of others who are not following God's path, and you are experiencing the pain from their choices. 
And yet they seem to be protected in having their best life ever. I know these two siblings quite well. One of them right now is trying to follow God's path and make right choices, and they're having a tough time. They've chosen to follow God, to follow his path. They're trying to live their life out for him. They've been generous in the past, and they're going through a time in their life where they've been struggling with school and struggling with finances, and, they're, and I know they're having a tough time. And their sibling at the same time has chosen to disregard God, to follow their own path, and anybody else who sort of gets in their wake, they don't really care about and yet they seem to be living their best life. doesn't seem fair, does it? It's tough. It's painful to watch. It's frustrating. It's easy in that moment, whether you're the person experiencing that or not, to have a bad attitude. But the reminder is today for us to keep looking ahead. To, in a sense, grab some binoculars and look to eternity. Because eternity is what really matters. This life is temporary. The scriptures over and over again remind us that this life is like grass. It grows up. There's a time where it's green and flourishes and then it withers and it's gone. What happens in this life is temporary. But it's the choices that we make that last. Uh, W.A. Van Gurman, he's a professor at Trinity Evangelical Divinity School, wrote this. I like this. The wise person must carefully watch their response. It's all too easy, easy to be adversely affected by the prosperity, the power, and the prestige of those who are evil. Rather than destroying themselves with negative emotions, the godly must keep things in perspective. David continues. He reminds us to keep looking up. Uh, sunroof, sunroofs are an amazing invention. Uh, you know, you can be driving down the road. It can be a day like today or earlier today when it's pouring rain, and you can still, you know, as you're driving, look out, and hopefully you don't stare out there too long. You need to look out the front. But you're looking at the sunroof, and you can see the sky, right? You get light coming in from it. Right, on those days when it's a beautiful day and sunny, you know, you open the sunroof and the wind is coming in and it's feeling great. And even those days when you're stuck in traffic, you can look up and go, wow, what a beautiful day in spite of your situation around you at the moment. Good perspective. David writes here, trust in the Lord and do good. Then you will live safely in the land and prosper. Take delight in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Later on in the chapter, he writes, The Lord directs the steps of the godly. He delights in every detail of their lives. Then get this. Though they stumble, they will never fall, for the Lord holds them by his hand. These verses are great reminders that following Jesus is what God has in mind. It's our, the best that he has in mind for us. 
when we choose to follow that path, we're on the path he has for us, and he's working constantly, God is, to align our interests with his and to keep us on the right path so that we are becoming more like Jesus. In fact, God is directing the traffic in our lives so that we will ultimately become successful in the end. Not successful as our, as our culture or our world perceives it, but success in the end as God sees it. The best version of ourselves. And God is at work all the time causing that to happen. I call this the driver instructor versus the driver examiner views of God. See, too often we think of God as a driving examiner, don't we? Who's checking off all of the errors as we drive along. You're noting a few good qualities, but most of the time watching and recording our blunders, right? If you failed your driver's test, road test ever, you know exactly how it feels. And in the end, they give us that pass or that fail. But ultimately, during the whole drive, you never really know until you get to the end. And they say, congratulations, or they say, try again. Versus the God as the instructor, who's traveling along with us, giving us instruction as we go along. He's working to correct the issues. He does it very graciously as, as long as we're willing to, to listen. And he's helping us stay in the right lane, helping to put the brakes on, right? That's why they have the extra set of brakes there. Put the brakes on when we're headed to disaster and ultimately wanting us to pass in the end. Driving instructors are very patient. I remember when I was taking my driving instruction, and we had four of us, I think, in the car with the driver, and, and I'm sitting behind the driver, and, and as we're going down this road, the, the guy who's driving in front of me begins to wander over into the other lane, right? And, and I'm like, what's going to happen here, right? And the driving instructor very graciously goes, excuse me, come on over to the right a little more, right? I would have been like, Hey! Pull over! Get over here! You're in the wrong lane! Right? Some of you are like, don't ever ask Pastor L to be a driving instructor, all right? Just, just make note, note to self. Very gracious. God is that way. Always working to turn us, to help us to become the best version of ourselves. And during this time in our lives, as we walk through whatever we're going through, it's so important that we keep looking up. Keep trusting God as our source. Keep trusting him that he is at work. He has our best interests in mind, even if we can't see it at the time. And embracing his direction and ultimately surrendering control, which I know is a hard thing to do, but so important. Van Gurman, the, the professor I mentioned earlier, makes another great statement here. He says, instead of giving in to self-pity and hatred, the wise person develops a trust in the Lord. Trusting the Lord means faith, especially the more difficult aspect of faith, submission to his will, 
in the hope of his resolution of the dilemma when you're going through a difficult time. In the spirit of surrender, the wise person finds joy. David also writes here, as we consider this idea of perspective of looking up, he says, commit everything you do to the Lord. Trust him, and he will help you. He will make your innocence radiate like the dawn, and the justice of your cause will shine like the noonday sun. You ever been misjudged? You ever had it where everything you do is scrutinized? Your intentions misconstrued? Even your well-meaning actions or comments are viewed negatively? I mean, let's face it, none of us are perfect. We'd be the first to admit it, hopefully. But there are times in our lives when others have created a view of us that is not really who we are, but there's nothing that we can say or do to change that person's mind about what they think about us. In those circumstances, all we can do is keep our hearts right and keep looking up to God and trusting Him, knowing that one day in eternity it will all be revealed that he ultimately knows our hearts. That is a tough place to be in when you have someone who looks at you that way. But in those moments, we keep looking up. We keep looking to him. Van Gammon says this, committing everything to the Lord includes the negative feelings, nagging questions, and concerns of justice. God expects his children to be children and to put themselves completely under his fatherly care. We've talked about this before. You may not have a great example of a father who's been in your life, or maybe not at all. Unfortunately, that skews our perception of who God is. But God is not like that. He's the perfect father who cares deeply about us, that feels our pain in those moments when we're struggling and we're trying to keep on and we're trying to do what he wants us to do. He is with us. He loves us. He even is proud of us in those moments when we're not hearing it or haven't heard it from our earthly father. Keep looking up. Another perspective that David provides us is keep looking from an overall perspective. Whoever invented drones was on to something great. Especially the ones with the high-definition camera on them. You know, some of the views that you get, I was going to have someone bring a drone in here today, but I thought if battery fails and it comes down and, you know, <laughs> hits someone in the head, you know, I'll, I'll never be, uh, be able to speak on a Sunday again, you know. I'll be a liability at that point. No, I'm kidding. But they give these great views, don't they? This perspective that you would, you, would, no one would have. Like they, they come all over top and give a big view of the whole situation or what's happening here and what's going on. Such great pictures. I love it. 
We have to have that perspective in our lives, that big picture perspective that only God has. And that's why David here writes, be still in the presence of the Lord and wait patiently for him to act. Don't worry about evil people who prosper or fret about their wicked schemes. Stop being angry. Turn from your rage. Don't lose your temper. It only leads to harm. In other words, he's saying, don't get so worked up about this. For the wicked will be destroyed, but those who trust the Lord will possess the land. In other verses, he writes, the wicked plot against the godly. They snarl at them in defiance, but the Lord just laughs, for he sees their day of judgment coming. It's better to be godly and have little than to be evil and rich. For the strength of the wicked will be shattered, but the Lord takes care of the godly. Even Jesus talks about this big picture mentality in one of his primary teachings we find in Matthew chapter 5, 6, and 7. But in chapter 6, Jesus says these words. So don't worry about these things saying, What am I going to eat? What will I drink? What will we wear? Some of you asked those questions just this morning as you were coming here today. These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers. But your heavenly Father already knows all your needs. So then he says, Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously or walk the right path and he will give you everything you need. David adds to that in this chapter and says this, Once I was young and now I'm old, yet I've never seen the godly abandoned, and he's referencing by God, or their children begging for bread. Now this is not the perspective where we think of following Jesus as, you know, once you decide to follow Jesus, everything is going to be perfect, Right? God is going to give you everything you want. You know, when that verse, Al, you, you were saying there, there's prosperity, there's the desires of my heart, the inheritance, I never have to beg. Wow, that sounds like a great deal to sign up for. There's always pain and struggle and suffering when we follow Jesus. It's not easy. And while that's true, God looks after us. He's with us. He provides as we need it. He walks with us. And we have to keep this big picture overall perspective as we go through life. That God has this bigger plan that he has unfolding. That he's working out. And then even when we, when we don't feel it, when we feel like life is a struggle and it's tough and it's hard, that he still is a plan that he's working out. You know, runners know when they line up in the starting block. That there's a time when they're there, they have their feet in, in, the, in the block there, they're waiting for the gun to go off. And then those moments, I'm sure they last, seem like they last forever. But they know if they take off too soon, they're going to be disqualified. They have to wait for the exact moment when the gun goes off and then they can run. And sometimes in life, we feel like we are stuck in that starting block. 
Like we're just waiting for God to do something. And we're waiting. And we're waiting. And we're waiting. And he keeps going, not yet. Let me work here. Wait for it. Wait for it. Some of you are stressed just by me talking about waiting here. Because <laughs> you're like, I hate waiting. I hate it. You're in good company. Waiting is hard. It's tough in the midst of it. It's exhausting, isn't it? It's emotional at times. Waiting, wanting God to work in a situation or to answer a prayer or to do something in somebody's life. And we're just saying, God, please, I'm begging you, do something here. And it feels like he's either silent or he's saying, wait for it. Wait for it. The problem is, is that we think God's silence or his waiting is like, okay, well, if you're not going to do it, I'll do it. Right? We try to force it or we try to manipulate the situation or we're, we're, we're trying, we're not willing to waver in what we want to happen in the situation and we try to force it. And most of the time it blows up. God says, wait for it. And the funny thing is, is that don't we end up back at the same starting block again? <laughs> right? And we go full circle around, and then all of a sudden you get, okay, this time, Al, are you going to wait for it? I'm like, yeah, I'm going to wait for it this time. We wait for God to work. Psalm 37 reminds us to be wise. To stay committed to God's path for us. To keep good perspective all along the way, even when it's not easy. No matter what happens in life, keep a good perspective. Now you might be here today or you're watching today online. And you're feeling like, yeah, I'm not on God's path. I know it. Or you feel like something is missing inside today. You can't quite put your finger on it, but you know there's something not there. Or maybe you're just wrestling with guilt today. You know, even hearing about last week's talk that Pastor Gary did and hearing about it today, you're just, you're plagued with this guilt, this guilt but you're just, you, you, you feel like, how do I move forward here? You haven't chosen confession or forgiveness, either because you feel like you don't deserve it, or you just don't know how. I, I want to encourage you today to consider a change in perspective. And I think the symbol that really encapsulates this is the cross. It's interesting, this geometrical figure symbolizes so much for us as followers of Jesus. And when we look at a cross and we see it, wherever it is, we're reminded, you know, that Jesus came that everything he said and all that he did was to reveal who God is to us, to reveal his character, his love, his grace. He came to show us by his actions who God really is so that we wouldn't be trapped in a religious lifestyle or feeling like if we just do enough good things that we can get 
to where we need to be or to have what we need in our life. And the cross symbolizes that. Jesus came and then he died on it, sinless. Took all of our sin, everything that we've done wrong, everything we have done and will do, took it all. When he died on the cross, when he says it's finished, he finished the work of making a way for us to have relationship with God. And the cross is empty to remind us that he didn't stay dead, but he was resurrected to give us hope of new life. Wow, what a perspective. When Jesus died on the cross, he made a way for those who would choose to follow him, and then through his resurrection, not only his death paying for sin, but through resurrection giving, this ho- giving us this hope so that when we pass from this life, as Paul talks about, he calls it falling asleep. Where you fall asleep in this life and you wake up with Christ. I want that. That's a pretty good deal. That is the perspective that we're to have. And that's what David is pointing to in these last couple of verses in Psalm 37 when he says, the Lord rescues the godly. He's their fortress in times of trouble. The Lord helps them, rescues them from the wicked. He saves them and they find shelter in him. And you might say today, well, I'm not the godly. And you'd be making a good point because none of us are godly on our own. That's why Jesus came. So that when we receive that, when we accept what he did, that we can experience following him and be part of what the scriptures call those who are godly. Jesus, back to Matthew chapter 5, in those first few verses of his most popular sermon says, God blesses those who are poor and realize their need for him. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. He's referencing there, there not just poor in the sense of not having much in this life, but poor in spirit in the sense of recognizing that we are spiritually bankrupt. We have nothing to offer God. And he says theirs is the kingdom of heaven because that is the starting point of us coming to God. To recognizing he's not asking us to get to a certain place of goodness or perfection before we can come to him. He's saying, come as you are, and then I'll do the work. He then says, God blesses those who are humble or meek, for they will inherit the whole earth. And that's the starting place. And that's why Derek Kidner can write, the meek are those who choose the way of patient faith perspective. My question for you today is this. What perspective do you have that needs to change? What was tweaked today as we were talking here today? That's a challenge for you of perspective that needs to happen differently. What attitude needs to be adjusted? Uh, Let's face it, nobody likes their attitude adjusted. You know, when you're a kid and your parents are, I'm going to adjust your attitude, right? You're like, 
I don't like to hear that. But don't we need that? All the time. Maybe there was something that got pinpointed today that needs to change. And maybe what choices do you need to start making today? Out of the perspectives that we've talked about this morning, maybe some choices, maybe one choice as you walk away today that you can make. Let's pray. Father, we're so thankful that we can call you that today. The perfect Heavenly Father who loves us, walks with us, wherever we face, whatever we go through in our lives, you're there, so patient with us, so gracious, cares so much about us, are so proud of us when we make right choices and yet are so quick to be gracious to call us back when we make poor choices. Thank you, God, for being who you are. God, would you remind us today about the perspectives that we have and those perspectives that need to change? If we have canceled you, God, and thought, man, I don't really need you in my life, may you change our perspective to recognize just how much we do. For some of our perspectives that we have because we're going through some tough times in our lives, would you help us to keep looking towards you? Keep looking ahead. Keep looking up. Keep looking from a big picture perspective overall so we can see things differently the way you see them. And God, would you help us? Would you increase our faith? Would you help us to trust you even when it's hard, for the things that we pray about, we don't see answers to, would you help us to hang on? Commit those people or those situations to you, God. May we embrace the love, the joy, the peace that you offer us, the hope that we have in you. Help us, Lord. As we walk out of this place today in a few moments from now, to not just go through life the same way we did or have done for the last weeks. Help something to change for us this week. May you speak to us, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.